Welcome to the Insightful Nurse Leader. This podcast is focused on assisting nurse leaders become effective managers and change facilitators. Welcome to the 29th episode of the Insightful Nurse Leader. Today, we are joined by Rhonda Thompson. Rhonda is a Senior Vice President of Patient Care Services and Chief Nurse Officer at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Rhonda, welcome to the show. Good morning, Miles. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Well, I'm very delighted. Well, welcome back, actually. For our listeners out there, Rhonda actually joined us in episode 10. And last episode, Rhonda and I spoke about the creative staffing solutions at Phoenix Children's to prevent burnout and help improve retention, which was a very insightful conversation. So today, we're going to talk about current events in nursing and the great things happening at Phoenix Children's Hospital addressing the key events happening in nursing right now. So Rhonda, Phoenix Children's Hospital is going through a tremendous amount of growth and expansion. How do you keep up with meeting the demand of high-quality nursing workforce, given the current crisis in the nursing staffing in the country? Well, I appreciate that you're optimistic that I'm keeping up. I don't know. I don't know if I would describe it that way. It is certainly it's certainly a race for sure. We are going through tremendous growth at the demands of the community and the growth in not just Phoenix proper, but the surrounding areas in Arizona, knowing that we are the only freestanding academic quaternary care children's hospital. We have not obligation in a negative sense, but a positive obligation to care for our community. So I think when it comes to keeping up is it's a daily challenge. And and I think we had this conversation before that it's being as innovative, as open-minded of how do we create a space where one, nurses want to come to Phoenix Children's mm-hmm. and two, they want to stay at Phoenix Children's. So it's been a lot of relationships with our academic affiliations. It's been creating a culture where people want to work here and want to stay. So it's a constant evolution and a constant race to keep up. I don't I certainly don't have the magic pill for sure, but we we feel good. We feel incredibly optimistic about what we're doing, where we're going with the growth and how we're recruiting and retaining staff. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. So the NCSBN, the National Council of State Boarders of Nursing, recently projected a a statistic that a total of 900,000 nurses will leave the profession by 2027 from a combination of factors such as burnout, being overwhelmed, and retirement altogether. What strategies have you found to be effective in decreasing nurse turnover at Phoenix Children's? Well, I think there's there's several strategies and it's going to where they are. And I think we've had this discussion before about newer nurses and being ready. You know, I, I look at it that they're not they only not only can be independent, but they can be competent and confident. So I think it's filling those three voids for for newer staff. And I think when it comes to burnout, it's really caring for them as people. And we saw a lot of that focus during the pandemic, right? I think there was such a spotlight on nursing, the profession as a whole, the work that nurses do, the life-saving measures that they do and the sacrifices they make. So I think, you know, that focus started, there was some focus prior to the pandemic, but I think it highlighted an opportunity for all of us to care about each other. So we want to hear their voice. We want to know what they need. It's not the same for everyone. And, and you know, decreasing burnout 
for you may look different than it does for me. So it's really individualizing the needs of the staff and what what they may be focused on. And it's things like, you know, creating a community for them. I remember years ago, I saw statistics around, you know, people will stay at work if they have good managers and have a friend at work. And so it's creating a community where they feel part of what's happening at Phoenix Children's and they have a voice at the table. And I think the other part of, you know, creating opportunities is for those folks that, you know, are on that journey to retirement, whether it's one or two years, it's really having conversations about what are the other things they can contribute to the profession? And it may be looking at, you know, I when you're on the road to retirement and you're one or two years away, you may not want to work 12-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. And it's it's creating an opportunity for them to continue to contribute their intellectual capital, their skills, what they've learned, their experience in other ways. You know, whether that's four-hour preceptor shifts, whether that's didactic, you know, teaching our younger nurses. And I think that also helps with burnout. If we focus on what matters to folks, what they value, and create an environment where they can make contributions of the things that they value, I I think that will help retention. I love how you mentioned that, tailoring the needs of the nurses. You know, looking at that from the lens of, you know, outward, right, from from the hospital. Our, our customers are our patients. But from the inside, our customers are our nurses, those frontline. And, you know, even from now, we, we look at how do we tailor our, our offerings? How do, how do we better understand the needs of our patients? But I love how you mentioned that because we are also doing the very same thing for our frontline nurses. And by that regard, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but we're actually taking the time to learn about what motivates them, what is their career goal, and how can we align with that and better support that for the bigger purpose of the organization. So thank you. Exactly. Yeah, thank you. So one of the challenges of nurses who recently entered the workforce during height of COVID was a concern of not having enough clinical exposure or practice before graduating. Is this something that you experience at Phoenix Children's as well? Absolutely. We've had a lot of feedback around, I wasn't prepared to see what I'm going, what I've seen. I'm, I wasn't prepared to hear what, I, what I've heard. And I think it's in a unique situation in pediatrics. And I use the term um, when I was having a conversation with a group of folks is that you know, this is a generation that swiping was always an option, whether it's swiping up or right or left. And in our environment, swiping isn't an option. So if you're in the ER and you walk into the trauma bay, whatever is there, you have to, you, you have to care for, right? You can't swipe it away. So I think it's creating a culture where we understand their and help them understand their coping mechanisms. We've experienced a lot of unknowns during the pandemic, but we've also been been so innovative during the pandemic that I think we can continue that innovation and create opportunities for nurses to really feel more confident in their practice. You know, we, we do find a lot of nurses that have had very few clinical hours and have done all simulation. So how do we how do we now create an environment where it's really hands-on, but we give them the confidence? And some of that might start in the sim lab. Um, we have an on-site sim lab. So if we, if we need to create an environment where they feel safer there until they get to the real thing, mm-hmm. we do that. And it's really individualized. I think the other thing is we started a, um, an affiliation with ASU in Phoenix that created a specific pediatric cohort. 
So they identify early on, they identify students who think or know they want to do pediatrics and they do the majority of their clinical hours with us. And we've really focused on that relationship so that these nurses are better prepared once they graduate. They're better prepared at the bedside. So we're looking at that opportunity with other academic affiliations. So can we expand on that? Can we create an environment where we've got multiple partners and, you know, obviously triple or quadruple the amount of pediatric cohorts that we're doing? Obviously, that means we have more pediatric nurses ready to be confident and competent at the bedside. So speaking of innovation, can you talk more about some of the most interesting innovation in health technology that's helping augment the nursing efficiency and effectiveness at Phoenix Children's? Well, I think so specifically at Phoenix Children's, we've we've implemented, it's called the Watcher Program. That really just creates an opportunity for us to score our patients based on you know, several different criteria on how they are doing. And so we, we pull some information from the EMR. We use nurses' intuition, which has been an incredible trend to watch that that's been statistically the most important criteria when we're identifying a patient who's deteriorating. We've, we've also obviously telehealth, which has been, you know, kind of a national innovative push. It's been talked about for probably a decade, but we, you know, through the pandemic, everybody got very quick on their innovation of telehealth. And I think we're, we're looking at other opportunities to create an environment for, for nurses to have more effective and efficient care. Things like, we just had this conversation recently with a group of CNOs around virtual nursing and how does that work? Virtual preceptors, how does that work? So we're looking at all of those opportunities. But again, it's really to create a safer, more effective and efficient environment for the bedside nurses. So lots of great things happening, not only at Phoenix Children's, but I think, you know, we're just, we're leveraging each other in, in the innovation realm and, and working together to create a better environment for all of our pediatric patients across the nation. Yeah, it's very exciting that you share that. You know, just to share a little bit about my, my recent recording, I recently recorded an episode with the assistant directors of the American Nurses Association Pathway to Excellence Program. And they really talked about the importance of building or promoting or cultivating a positive practice environment, which is really in alignment with the Pathways Excellence Framework. And, you know, what you are sharing really aligns to that, creating that work environment. And even the NCSBN panel recently talked about that, addressing the environment, make it safer. Mm-hmm. for nurses. So amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So with all the growth and expansion at Phoenix Children, do you know what's driving all this growth? Is it rapid growth in population or more nurses or, or people moving there? What, what's what's causing all this growth? Yeah, I think it's rapid population in both the, the East Valley, as we call it, and the West Valley. We're seeing just tremendous growth in both of those communities. And Again, I feel like it's our obligation to create an environment where we're giving the right care at the right time in the right place. And we all know the right place is as close to their home community as possible with their support system. So, you know, Bob Meyer, our CEO, responded, and this has been in the planning for years, but he's been, you know, very in tune to where the growth was happening and what the needs of those communities were. So, you know, strategically building a hospital in the East Valley that will open this year, building a freestanding emergency department in Avondale that will open this summer, and then another freestanding hospital in Arrowhead that will open next year is really a response to what's happening in those communities, specifically the growth with the younger families that will have kids that will need us. Mm-hmm. 
That's pretty amazing. So in 2021, Phoenix Children's pioneered a new role, and mm-hmm. it's called clinical nurse attendings. It's, it's intended to harness nurses' skills and intuition and add an, an extra measure of protection for, for vulnerable patients. Can you share how this role impacted nursing care and, and what does it mean for patients? So, yeah, this is just, I'm incredibly proud of this team and what they've done at the bedside, specifically what they've done for our patients and community. So this role is really, it's an out of staffing. That's usually the first question people say is, wait, do they have patients? Nope, they have no patients. And really, this is a testament to the support from our executive team to say, we get it. They're going to be out of staffing. We're not pulling them in. And I mentioned earlier the Watcher program. So they work, this is where nurses and technology come together, that one Mm -hmm. doesn't trump the other one. So they're they're coming together. The clinical nurse attendings are there. Every department has one. Every unit has at least one. Multiple units have two. And the clinical nurse attending reviews every patient, reviews their Watcher skill, and then goes to the bedside. And this is where it gets really critical because we know we've had this incredible turnover in nurses. So the majority of our nurses have less than three years of experience still building their critical thinking foundation. But the clinical nurse attendings are very experienced, have a wide variety of a skill set, and they help the bedside nurse work through what's going on with the patient. Mm -hmm. Um, They also work with families. So we all know that the families know their, their children better than we do. So if a family says something doesn't seem right, it's not just about looking at a monitor or looking at the the EMR, but it's listening to those families. It's talking about the changes. And then the clinical nurse attendings are really mentoring and coaching the bedside nurses around what's the next step for this patient. What we've seen is an incredible decline in codes outside of the ICU, which is just phenomenal. We've seen a decrease in serious safety events at the bedside. Again, you know, an incredible impact to patients and outcomes. And there's so much satisfaction to this role, and not just if you're in the role, but to the staff. In all of our surveys of culture of safety throughout the organization, the clinical nurse attending has been the number one satisfaction for bedside nurses. Like this is driving their satisfaction at the bedside. And they rely on those clinical nurse attendings to help coach and mentor them every single day. So it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal role. Mm-hmm. And it's not built into their staffing, which really doesn't strain, you know, planning it ahead of time, which is really helpful. So it's reliable for nurses on a day-to-day basis. Correct. And, you know, I would, I would also say it's reliable for our residents and our physicians. Many of our physicians have been accustomed to you know, if the bedside nurse calls them and asks a couple of questions, we, we have a lot of attendings will say, well, what's the clinical nurse attending think? So they've now become almost accustomed to having that extra, that additional safety measure, safety net, if you will, in each of the units. So it was a rough start because, you know, having somebody that's dedicated out of staffing, even during busy times, can be a little bit of a controversy <laughs> in a hospital setting. Sure. But we got incredible buy-in from, again, the executive team, our physician partners, and they've now come to really rely on that role. Mm -hmm. Follow-up question, how does that role differ from, let's say, a charge nurse who runs the the flow, patient flow of a a unit? 
Well, just as you said, so the charge nurse has, you know, multiple duties throughout the day. And Mm -hmm. primarily they're looking at, you know, throughput, discharges, admissions, you know, who's covering for who for breaks. The clinical nurse attending does not get involved with any of the operations. This is strictly around patient care. They, They will help the nurses, especially mentoring the young nurses help them through not just if the patient is deteriorating, but, you know, what is the right, how do we educate these families appropriately so they can leave? So it's not, it's really about patient care, not having anything to do with operations. Mm -hmm. Thank you for for identifying that that distinction. So Rhonda, looking at the nursing profession at large, zooming out, what do you think nurses need right now? Gosh, Miles, that's a great question. And if I had the answer, again, I I may be able to retire and sit on a beach somewhere (laughs) if I had the answer for what they really needed. I think first and foremost, they need support. They need to feel valued. We saw so much of that during the pandemic. And I think there's this sense of, and and this is just Rhonda's perception of, of some of the conversations I've had with nurses, did they forget about us now that it's over? Have they forgotten about us? And I, so I think nurses need to feel supported. They need to feel valued. And again, I, I'm using broad terms because it means something different to every single person, every single nurse. But I think it would behoove us to really invest in that value uh, and understand what they need to feel supported. And I think we have a duty to mentor young folks who may not know what they want to do, but give them the the benefits of becoming a nurse and the impact that they will have on thousands and thousands of lives. And I also tell new nurses, don't forget the impact that those lives will have on you as you grow. So it's this is a two-way street. But I, I think we've got a lot of work to do around, you know, the image of nursing and kind of right-sizing it, if you will. Let's be realistic. There was a lot of imaging being presented during the pandemic. So you know, how do we really create the reality of nursing and create more infrastructure to help support and value them? That's true. How do you capture the value of nurses? Well, again, I don't have the magic pill or the answers <laughs> to everything. I think it's under, it's first, I think it's listening to them. So, you know, we have to listen intently and it's one, ensuring that they know they have a voice at the table. So I tell staff all the time, I want to hear what you have to say sincerely. I may not be able to do all of the things that you want to do, but I'm at least going to have the conversation with you. I think value, again, it's it's really individual. What What brings value to me may be different than what brings value to you. But I do think nurses want to be heard and they want to know that you're not just hearing and listening, that you're going to provide them some feedback, whether it's what they want to hear or, or do is different, but that you're going to follow up with them and that you value what they bring to the table. Totally agree. Totally agree. Thank you for sharing that. So Rhonda, reflecting back in lessons from what we've gone through with COVID, what do you think healthcare organizations or, or we uh, at large could have done better? during the crisis level of care period to retain staff? You know, it's so easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. And I I don't know that I have the answers on globally what we could have done better. I think we were all in survival mode. And, you know, the pandemic impacted pediatrics a little differently than and it did our adult colleagues. But I, 
I don't want to say that we there's things we could have done different. I think I have confidence and faith that we did everything we could with the amount of information that was being pushed down on a daily basis, the number of changes we had to make to in response to the information being pushed down. Sure. I, I don't know that there's any anything we could have done differently other than, you know, could we have been better prepared from a staffing perspective for these types of crisis? But again, what's the right answer for that? And how do you prepare? I mean, not, none of us None of us have a bucket of nurses just kind of waiting around for an assignment. And, you know, I think the response was as best as we could do given the circumstances. And I am so in awe of my colleagues and what nurses experienced during that time. And I think we now, from a leadership perspective, have an obligation to take all of those lessons learned and do something different so that, God forbid, if there's another pandemic or another issue like happened with COVID, that we can respond quicker, better, and create an environment where we don't have overwhelmed and burnout staff. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I know that probably wasn't an answer, but it was kind of just my dialogue around, I don't know that there's any one thing or two things or three things that we could have, should have done. No, but I really appreciate your candor because I, I think that's true for almost all. You know, no one really prepared how this this could have impacted every organization. Like you said, everyone was in survival mode. But it's it's nice to be able to look back into, you know, what are the learnings and, and lessons that we could take away from it. So with that being said, how do you see nurse employment or recruitment evolving? to help prevent a staffing crisis or to fix the staffing crisis that we're in right now? So I think we are going to have to be much more proactive. And I think I mentioned this before, we got to go where they are. I think our recruiting methodologies of past are not going to work. It's not post and pray um, that someone applies. It's actively sourcing candidates. It's actively promoting what you have to offer. It's using social media the way the the candidates are using social media. It's creating environments where it's more doors are opening. And I use this this term all the time with my leadership team. How do we open more doors? How do we make it easier for people not just to apply, but to interview? How do we create an environment where they want to come here? And I think every hospital is challenged right now. I mean, I've, I've been to several conferences in the last month. And in those conversations, everybody's asking the same question. How are you recruiting? How are you retaining? Where are your candidates coming from? And, you know, I have settled into the reality that we are going to have to create our own workforce. We're all sitting around waiting for experienced nurses to come. And that's, we can do that, but I'm not willing to just rest on my laurels. We, we are going to have to create our own workforce pipeline. And our affiliation and our partnership with ASU is one way of doing that. We're looking at how do we take this incredibly successful program? I mean, we've had within this cohort an 87% retention rate in the first year with students who graduate from this cohort. That's, to me, incredible. How do we create, how do we duplicate that with other organizations to begin creating our own workforce? And then, you know, the, the magic pill is retention. Once they're here, 
how do we keep them? And there are things that are just almost impossible to compete with, family obligations. I talk about all the time, I can't compete with love. So if you fall in love and they live in a different state, I can't compete with that. But but everything else is on the table. And when I just told my team this, it's our responsibility to create an environment where once they're here, they have a phenomenal onboarding experience. We get them engaged from the beginning. We learn what we talked about, what you know brings value and fulfillment to them. We have those conversations in those first 90 days. We're not waiting for one year for their first performance evaluation. In those first 90 days, what do they tell us they want to do so that we can start creating that journey and engagement for them? Wow. Wow. Impressive. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. So a year after we had our first episode, right, about creating staffing solutions, can you talk about the impact now, the results now of the retention rate, the decrease in turnover rate at Phoenix Children's as the outcome of all the great things that you're talking about or that you've implemented at, at the hospital? Yeah, so I just had the pleasure of conducting my first CNO town hall at Phoenix Children's and was very, very excited to share. You know, we had a 4% reduction in turnover in 2022, which, you know, our work isn't done by no means, but gosh, what great work from all of our leaders around retention. And it's really using all of those things we've talked about. What brings fulfillment to each of these candidates? How do we get them engaged from day one? How do we make them partners? So we've had some really significant decreases in turnover. And I'm my goal is that we'll double that for 2023 and have an 8% reduction. So we're on the right journey. The other thing we were talking about just last week is we've had a couple folks reach out to us that for whatever reason, early on in the pandemic, they left nursing they didn't renew their license. Now they're thinking about, I want to come back. And so we're mm-hmm. talking about creating a cohort of these folks who might need to take you know, a review course and to reinstate their license. So that might be, it might be small in numbers, but gosh, the intellectual capital that we could bring to the organization with even three or four of, of nurses every year who want to come back into the profession. So we're looking mm-hmm. at those kind of pathways. So, you know, again, I keep saying, how do we open more doors? How do we invite people in to Phoenix Children's? And then how do we keep them here? But we're, we're doing great work around decreasing turnover. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all those great things. I love how you shared a lot about the innovation that's happening because, you know, from my experience, it's, you know, it, it comes down to justifying that from the return of investment. But hearing from all the great things that's happening at Phoenix Children's, how it impacts patient care, the return on that is tenfold, right? And it's amazing that, you know, this very much supported from the top level to the front line. So I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you for sharing this. How could our listeners reach you? Well, I'm certainly available by email, Rhonda Thompson at phoenixchildrens.com. I'm also through social media, LinkedIn, happy to connect with anyone and, and share and certainly learn from others because I don't have all the answers, as I've said a couple of times. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always looking for others that may have answers that I don't. So yeah, and either email or social media, I'm happy to connect. Awesome. So it's such a delight to, to speak with you. Thank you for this follow-up episode. Have a great day. Thank you, Miles. Thank you for listening. To view the complete show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode, visit milesperillaconsulting.com forward slash podcast. And before you go, 
make sure you follow or subscribe to this podcast so you can receive the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Thank you again for joining me. This is your host, Miles Perilla, and you're listening to The Insightful Nurse Leader. I'll see you next time.